Tim's out of action, brought down by technical difficulties. And I've got a show to do. You could say everything's gone a bit pear-shaped. Techfan427. Everybody, it's one of your regular co-hosts here, David Cohen, and with this is Tech Fan number two eighty-six, I think. Um, I checked five ten minutes ago, and since then we've had technical problems. And the reason that Tim is not here is because he's having massive technical problems. Uh, so I'm joined by Owen, who was on the uh, Geeks Pub show last week, and is here with us again this week. Hi, Owen. And I hi, and I have a lot less technical problems. I hope. <laughs> Well, you can you can get Chrome. You can't get Chrome running on your iMac Pro, which is yeah. I do not understand that. Uh, no, um, it is. Uh, what did did I just say? We were two eight six or something. We're on four twenty seven. Yeah, this is four twenty seven. So I don't know what I'm talking about. I shall have to fix that in post, <laughs> as they say. So um, still living the crazy times. How are things with you? Oh, are you are you stir crazy yet? Yep, it's um, everybody. The only thing you're allowed to drive for now is uh, going to the store, or going to the doctor, or essential work uh, yeah. driving. And people don't follow that though. There's, there's, they're, they're going to get a little more serious on it. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, they're talking here about. Yeah, how about to, you? They're talking here about starting to pull people over and ask them where they're where they're going, what they're doing. So um, very much the same thing. In fact, I found out just before we started recording today that both our prime minister and the health secretary have full COVID nineteen symptoms. So oh. it's all going very well. Oh man! <laughs> and it if scares got, me. I'm asthmatic, yeah. so it scares yeah. me to death that that will happen to me. It's, uh... If they have it, that means the whole cabinet has it. So I expect our government to grind to a halt gracefully <laughs> over the next two, three days. It, it's scary. We uh, we looked at that, and I pulled my stocks out because the stock market was making me really nervous. And in yeah. the usual great timing, right before it did its rebound, yeah. its recent rebound. But uh, it, I think we're gonna, we haven't seen the worst of this yet. Uh, it's. That there is a suggestion that we're going to get, actually get waves of this, that we'll have, you know, a couple of months of restrictions and that will keep the level of infections down. But then when they relax those restrictions, it'll bounce back up again and then we'll have to kind of keep bouncing through it until enough people have enough immunity from having had the disease already that actually <laughs> herd immunity kicks in and kind of kind of pushes it down. Who the hell knows at this point? Yeah, uh, that, and, that was <laughs> last night. Last night on the TV, they said uh, that, you know, it's it's usually worse in the winter than the summer. So they said when we go to summer, the other half of the world goes to winter, and they think that might cycle it back again, too, because they'll, they'll raise and they'll bring it back here as we go towards winter. Yeah. The only thing that seems to be certain is that everything is very uncertain. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it is... It is interesting times, but you know, I had a long call with my company this morning, and one of the things we were talking about is how we're dealing with it from a business continuity perspective. And because we're all cloud-based already, oh. the fact, 
yeah, the fact that we've had to close our office and are all working from home hasn't really slowed us down that much at all. So we're we're a small company, but we are quite fortunate in that respect. But uh, I know there's an awful lot of people who are struggling with this and an awful lot of people who unfortunately have jobs that just don't really support home working. You know, yeah. If you have an office job, it's fine. But if you have anything that involves doing things, you can't really often bring that home. You know, you can't bring the Amazon warehouse home, <laughs> run the packages <laughs> from home, can you? <laughs> I wonder you know. what they do about that. Because they said they may be slower than normal for getting things. So I see the Amazon guy drive up and down the street every day now, sometimes yeah. several times a day going by. So obviously they're trying. Uh Apple, I, who I work for, I was lucky enough, you know, that they're a big company and they're already set up for this. Uh, yeah. But it's still harder. It's You know, it used to be I just walk down the hall, tap on someone and say, hey, I, we need a problem. We've got to fix this. Now I've got to find him online and set up a time to talk and get the conferencing up and running with him uh, or her. And it just, you know, it's it's harder, but we're getting stuff done. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the complaints uh, that actually my uh, CEO made was um, he said said at the moment he feels like he's working more hours than he would normally. He's basically mm-hmm. doing a seven till seven day, uh, yeah. and 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 it's all back to back calls, and he says he's <sighs> kind of getting conference call fatigue. <laughs> I I agree with him. I I usually get on about eight, and I'm on till at least seven. Uh, or longer sometimes, and, it, and I find myself working harder. And I don't know if it's because I'm not being distracted or it's because it's just harder to do. But, yeah, you sort of get tired of WebEx in your face for a while. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that, I, I mean, that, that is a problem. It's interesting as well, some of the odd things that come up. My uh, Again, my CEO, he has this particular bugbear with Teams, which is what we use, that um, if he has more than about five people on a call, he can't see all their faces at once. Um, because basically it populates the screen and then right. and then it leaves everyone else kind of as a small box at the bottom and then they uh they their video only comes forward when they speak um and he doesn't like that he likes to be able to see everyone at once. so he started using zoom because that allows you to see everybody at once um which is uh you know and he started going on about oh do we need to get zoom and this that and the other i was thinking he was meaning you know as a fallback to teams if case case teams uh-huh. went down so i went and get got pricing on you know how much it would cost for the whole company to get zoom and what the pros and cons were and what the different software levels were uh and then he went no i, I just just for me for the management calls i don't care about anybody else i'm not i'm not interested in spending six seven thousand pounds a year on, on zoom licenses for everybody uh and is that what it uh, cost? Yeah, that's kind of what it would have would cost for a wow. year. There are discounts available at the moment um, because all of these companies are um, recognising that people are using them more, and so they're uh, they're offering discounts. The WebEx discount is actually quite generous. Um, we like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we get Teams as part of our Office 365 subscription, so that's right. kind of our, our default choice. And, and many of our clients, particularly in the public sector in the UK, already have Microsoft Office 365 licenses, sure. so they get Teams for by default. And it's okay. You know, it does the job. Uh, the, all of these things are kind of much of a much less, really. There's not, um, there's not anyone that stands head and shoulders above the other. Um, so uh, Have you used WebEx? Uh, I've used WebEx a couple of times with other clients who who, who have WebEx accounts. I'm surprised you uh, don't all use FaceTime in Apple. I don't know why they chose WebEx. It's um, But when we set it up, there's a button you can press that puts everybody up in a grid instead of uh, in yeah. a line. 
and uh, we were laughing that it looked like the beginning of um, the Brady Bunch. Yeah, well, that, that's so kind of what said, it is, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, oh, so, oh, you're in the middle. So I was like looking up and looking left and looking right, and there were just you could hear people laughing because it's like exactly what it thought of, and it works fine until you get maybe. 30 people on and then you get the audio is good but some of the video starts to fade so we yeah. now fade, turn off our video until uh, we're, we speak just to keep the bandwidth down for people who don't have a lot of bandwidth yeah yeah did you see that that video has been going around about the lady was on a I think it was a zoom call and she decides halfway through the call to go to the bathroom and she forgets to turn ah. her camera off <laughs> <laughs> You just see, and it, again, it's showing that grid of about eight people. You just see this horrified look start to spread across the team as they realise what's going on. Oh um, my god! Yeah. <laughs> and she you know she what? very she very carefully puts her phone down on the floor, oh. and it almost is looked like she's she's pointing at herself, like she's doing some sort of weird TikTok video. Um, but it's because she's trying to be able to see the screen while she's sat in the bathroom, and she just has no idea that the camera's on. So as, oh. as a default, I tend to always have the camera off, uh, <laughs> because yeah, I, I, that's I don't know thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I like using the camera for a one-to-one, because then, you know, just like we, we sometimes do to each other, you know, we can't see each other speaking, and so you might, you, your voices might collide. But for a, a call of eight or ten, or even more than that people... I don't see the value of the video that much because you've got the tiny little box and um, you can't you can't monitor everyone's faces at once to see who's going to speak Correct. next, you know? I think so, one of my largest ones was maybe 45 people in it and they all don't fit on the screen. Yeah. You know, I'm on an iMac Pro and they all don't fit on the screen. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, but um, I think that one of the reasons... Well, I had to teach everybody that didn't know how to put their picture in the icon because that's not yeah. trivial on on WebEx, you have to. Uh, for me, I had to do it on the on the web client, not on the Mac client. Uh, but they want to know who's on the call, so they're because yeah. theoretically, once you get the link, you can just jump in. Um, and we yeah. use we had Cisco meetings systems at, at, at on the tables at work that hook into WebEx, and maybe that's why they picked WebEx because mm-hmm. they they hook together. So yeah. someone can sit in a conference room, use the conference room thing, and be a WebEx. Uh, person on the call right uh and that and it's weird you get all these people come in and you go okay who's that i don't know who that is because they're worried about people jumping in on calls yeah yeah well that's yeah. so that's a problem as well the other issue i'm finding is that um obviously everyone's had to adapt to this uh and you know companies like mine which already kind of are used to it is fine though we've never used teams as much as we're using it now which uh, i guess is a good thing really um but you know for the kids schooling um my son's at college and they're all relatively tech savvy so um sure. they already have classroom systems and homework management systems and stuff so in the main they're using that and i think they they also have teams i think they some of his uh, teachers have set up a couple of teams channels for distributing stuff and what have you but my daughter's school who who've never done anything like this before they you know they're embracing a lot of this technology and from that point of view it's good but the problem is every single teacher seems to be using a different system and we're actually juggling about five or six different systems now to kind of keep up with all my daughter's work and it's 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 exhausting it absolutely <laughs> is you know because you get right met, sorry or, were there spe- for that many people no well no it's the the problem is is that each teacher is solving the problem on their own 
so they're going out and finding something so somebody will use google uh and then somebody else will use like um some educational system they found and then somebody else will use something open source somebody doesn't (laughs) do like that so they're just using email and sending out um sending up work through email but again then you know one one day this is there's one particular teacher one day he'll scan it and send it as a picture the next day he'll (laughs) next day he's sending you word documents um and uh you know and then so they and of course all this stuff needs printing so because my my daughter can't work off the screens or work off a phone screen or things she needs a piece of paper to work with so then you're trying to figure out how do i print it out and oh it's upside down and and you know the scan's not very clear and it's just this massive overhead and i'm doing the i'm doing quite a lot of technical support for my wife to try and keep on top (laughs) of all of this and then and then you get all right just well I've, i've set you something to do on this system and it'll be some educational uh, website or something so then you have to register and then you have to set up and sometimes they need a client <laughs> you know and uh and that, so so then my daughter can't necessarily use her ipad she's got to use a computer and it's it's just like yeah it's it's kind of out of control really and it shows there are so many options available but without a little bit of strategy and thought behind it um it can become you know just another overhead and the other I the can, other it, the other indeed yeah, the other weird thing is the quantity of work she's getting is just, like, immense. If she actually sat down and did it all, um, you know, she'd be kind of doing a 45-hour week just on doing schoolwork. Um, and I, I and I know for a fact they don't do this much in the school. <laughs> no. Why are they compensating for not being in the class? They think that that whole time should be used for homework? Maybe, and maybe there's an aspect of uh, some of the teachers going, well, you know, I want to justify my uh, ongoing salary, so I need to be yeah. producing all the time. <laughs> maybe. I, this is where I want to, in listening to Guy and Gaz, the, he has a soundbite I love, which is, um, you know, I don't know, I'm just making it up as I go along. Uh, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if that comes from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or or what movie, but it's uh, I love that because that's the way I feel half the time. We we'll yeah. just make it up as we go along. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly. It. <laughs> that's yeah. that's awful. I don't have kids, so I don't see that. But I watch my neighbors' kids are having that kind of problem. Uh, yeah. Well, here it's the weird thing. It's here. So our, my neighbor's a teacher. Uh, he teaches in, uh, I, I don't know if it's Oakland Public Schools or Berkeley Public Schools. And I said, well, are all the kids online now? And he says, well, we have computers we can give out, but not all the kids, because it's not in an affluent area, have Internet. And yeah. so if one kid can't have it, they're not allowed to give it to everybody else because yeah. it becomes, you know, um, you know, that person's, you know, being shunned. So yeah, they're well, not yeah, trying to figure out that's right, yeah. how to get everybody Internet. Yeah, right? fair that's access, I guess, is important. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I get oh I completely get it but they should be like okay we're not using the buildings and the heating we got enough money to buy internet now it's not they should be able to get a deal from Comcast because you know they're all about schools and stuff so yeah you'd imagine yeah. that you'd imagine like uh, I mean it's one of the things which if you decide to solve the problem there are easy ways to solve the problem you just you know you buy laptops with sims in or you buy those little mobile hotspots that with a, a you know mm-hmm. a limited amount of data on uh and you you distribute those out as well to the kids who need it um it doesn't sound like the sort of thing that 
that's insoluble. But again, it's just like we've just been saying, rather than each school or district making it up as going along, you ideally you want um, strategy behind it so it all kind of joins up. And that's that's where it becomes hard because then you need meetings and slides and decision makers and uh, you know uh, and and you need to push it through a supply chain and all of that and that that is difficult to do especially in these times when everyone is kind of working from home and um not necessarily kind of all joined up the way they normally are well that's a question i had for you um does did you do you find and i i hear it on when I, from people i talk to i don't see it happening at apple because they already streamlined their decision making to do to work like this uh you know we do a lot of our stuff on our computer but are decisions being made quicker with less oversight because it's harder uh i think i don't know in in some respect i mean my the way my companies responded is they are uh the senior management team are having uh, and there's only like 50 60 of us um but the senior management team are, are having a, a a call every day in the okay. afternoon and they talk about issues and so from that respect we are seeing decisions get made more quickly than they normally would when they only <laughs> tend to meet for uh, once a week and even then you know they only have a limited amount of time so they don't necessarily cover the entire agenda ah. so you know you do get things which are, are always bumped down to the bottom of the agenda and never get looked at and so right. they go on for months and months and months um so in that respect we are we are improving our decision making but but then again that doesn't scale very well um so if you are and you know what having worked for a lot of public sector organizations in the uk i know that normally if the work i'm doing is feeding into any sort of decision making process then you have to file it at least a week before the meeting happens so it can be processed wow. and massaged and put into the agenda and supporting papers circulated to everyone who's going to be there and then they have to have the meeting and then again it has to <laughs> they have to have time to cover to reach that point of the agenda to discuss it um you know and you're not always brought in to kind of support the work you've done you're often a, sure. a you know and so then you can find decisions are not made because they go well we, we there's this <laughs> this this point this point and this point we don't really understand so we're gonna have to go back uh, and ask ask for more clarity on that and so that then puts it off for another month um you know, so I can imagine those sorts of bureaucracies are really going to struggle in this environment where you're actually doing all that stuff from home and you're relying on the people who are doing the decision making to do a little bit more of the leg work to make sure they're informed to making the decision rather than having an army of bureaucrats kind of help them get everything tabled for the decision making. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I do. And, and, and I think that's that some of the difficulties we're facing here in the uk at the moment there's a big problem at the minute that none of the hospitals are say all the hospitals are saying they don't have the proper personal protective equipment to deal with the virus with patients with the virus um there are huge shortages now you see pictures on tv of the warehouses full of this stuff but the problem is without a central bureaucracy to identify who needs <laughs> what who's going to receive it when's it coming get it on the lorry, get somewhere to accept it and file it and put it away somewhere in the hospital and distribute it inside the hospital. That is, that, 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 yeah, and that's 
bread and butter logistics but the problem is if you don't have a logistics organization geared up to do that because normally hospitals don't have to do that they just order what they need from local suppliers and they can't do that at the moment then you have a big gap and it's a gap that clearly our government is struggling to solve at the moment i i think they're they're basically their solution is they're bringing the army in to do it because it's one thing our one thing the military knows about is about logistics indeed i was going to ask you that if the the military is getting involved i i saw you know we have the same issues here and I, I i was wondering if you saw the article was it yesterday um elon musk is going to turn one of his gigafactories into making respirators yeah i heard about that yeah yeah i i hope it works because that's so i'm asthmatic so this whole virus scares me to death because yeah uh, i've already been in the hospital twice this year with uh with a bad flu just before this stuff broke out mm-hmm. and and was about close to being put on a respirator i mean they were feeding me oxygen and yeah. so that scares me because i'll be one of the people they say well he's an older guy you know we'll give it to the young people because mm-hmm. doctors are gonna have to start you know doing triage on who gets what yeah yeah, I, I think that's the whole idea of social distancing, right? Is to not have so many people at one time. Yeah, it's to try and stop the spread yeah, of tra- the, the speed of the transmission of the illness um, right. by keeping people physically away. So that the virus, this virus is not, um, it's only airborne at close range. It's not something that hangs around in the air for a long time. Thank, if it ever mutates to do that, we're we're in trouble. Um, yeah. So as long as you keep away from people and you don't touch surfaces, which people might have coughed or breathed on, then it's relatively hard to spread it. But the problem is people interacting in close proximity, it's quite easy to spread it. So um, that's the challenge. We So our, um, our equivalent here in the UK is... Um, is Dyson, you know the the company that yeah. makes the the vacuum cleaners and the uh, very <laughs> very expensive fans and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, obviously, electric motors that move air is their speciality, and uh, so oh, they have point. also they've also put themselves forward and they're trying to get a uh, a model of ventilator up and running in their factories instead. The here's the thing though. The, the hardware is one thing, but having people who can run the hardware is the other. And, yeah. and that's going to be the shortfall, I think, um, rather than, you know, normally countries are very good at churning out stuff when they have to. And I'm sure within a couple of weeks, lots of people are going to be churning out respirators or ventilators as long as, you know, it, it there's an established design that you can take and kind of build the bits for. Um but but having people know, who know how to use them is is the is the challenge. I I have a, a ventilator here in the house because I have um, sleep apnea. Um, oh okay. Uh, and about twelve months ago, I was uh, I was levelled up on my sleep apnea. They decided that the CPAP, the continuous pressure machine I had, was not up to the job anymore because it couldn't go to high enough pressures that I needed. So they wow. put me onto BiPAP, which is uh, means that rather having one pressure that's on all the time basically um it it, it's it's a ventilator it it kind of breathes for you so you have a a big pressure for an in in breath and then a lower pressure for the out breath but you're um it's varied so you actually have to you you basically the machine ends up timing you to whatever it's set for for your breathing cycle you're not breathing independently um and that is effectively well it is it says it right there on the box it says it's a ventilator um so how do you wear it is it a face mask or is it something yeah i have i I have a mask that i put over my face every night um that has to be tight on so it doesn't leak and then there's a hose that goes to the machine so there's no oxygen involved it's just taking room air but it's actually pressurizing that and it's actually kind of making me breathe and obviously 
a higher end ventilator does that for people who can't actually breathe themselves so it actually puts enough pressure in so that um it's uh you know that that the, you don't need to use your diaphragm muscle to actually breathe if you're not able to breathe on your own but um th- i think the ventilation for covid19 is is in the middle ground the problem is you can breathe but your lungs are full of fluid and so you need assistance and you need to make sure that the right pressure gets in to get down to the bottom sure. of those airways to keep you oxygenated so i don't know whether i could find out how to use my ventilator in a you know in a in a medical kind of supportive uh, role if i wanted to but you know i can't imagine it's that complicated um but you need to have the skills to do that and then to be able to configure the machine to to do that and then obviously keep an eye on the patient to make sure that it's you know keeping them keeping them well and keeping them oxygenated so um that's the that's the skills gap so having the technology is one thing but the skills as well or another they're talking about they've set up in london a big um field hospital in uh, a conference center it's going to have two wards of two thousand beds each each equipped with ventilators to uh, because london is a big hot spot for this disease um it seems to be um infecting and uh, creating more patients in london than anywhere else anywhere else in the country at the moment um but but that they were talking about would it be possible to run two patients two beds off one ventilator (laughs) that that sounds like hmm, that That doesn't doesn't sound sound like top level of care right there (laughs) well you know i wondered i I used to scuba dive i was like well scuba tanks or ventilators of a sort you clamp them in your mouth and they push air at you when you breathe in yeah. uh, and you can set them the pressure on them i was like why not just use scuba equipment yeah. seems like they have a solution for this they just need the air being generated i guess it's uh, but if so i understand there's different levels like i've been on a ventilator where i just like your sleep apnea machine where it just yeah. helps me breathe uh they use it for medication uh, asthma mm-hmm. medications at times but some of these people are being intubated which is yeah. uh that scares me to death i'm so claustrophobic i don't know if i could they'd have to knock me out to do that yeah uh and, know, and also and, not not something that is an unskilled job to, yeah to get a tube down you've got to get in the right place you've got to not damage anything on the way um you've got to yeah you've got to not um introduce infection <clears throat> by putting that down. that is um that's kind of that's hardcore stuff then yeah yeah well this is depressing let's try something else <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so have you been uh, you, you say you've been working quite a lot from home but have you had time to do anything enjoyable while you're uh, locked in the house well, I, I'm only partway through it because I'm being very careful as I build it. Um, I got into Arduinos and, and small computers a while ago. I've got I got one that's a, like three dollars sitting in my hand here that's got Wi-Fi built in. Right. So uh, there's a guy who makes these displays called Lixies, L-I-X-I-E, that they look like a Nixie tube, but they're done with plastic and edge lit for uh, to light up the, the numeral you need. And so I took some of his code he, he did a library and i've been building a digital clock out of it and it's really amazing because it turns on and go gets the, he fetches the time and it's right um, all right cool it's three bucks for this little thing it's uh yeah i don't even know who makes it i have to get find the name for who makes it. i bought him off of uh it's called like a, a d1 mini and right. it's kind of cool but i've also got a kit to make an old pdp 11 computer front ah. it's the front it's the front panel and you stick one of these arduinos on the back 
and it, it, they have the code available, and it, it emulates the PDP-11 of the time. You can even plug a terminal into it, which I use my computer to do, uh, which I find funny. I use a computer that has thousands of times more processing power to connect to a computer that's emulating something from the 1970s. Yeah, I know. That is, that is kind of fun. I, I've... Um... I was at a trade show a few years ago and I saw um, they had a similar kind of thing, but it was an emulator of the original, um, you know, the microcomputer that kind of kicked off. Oh, the, uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the P- what, was it, what was that called now? Well, I, I remember the inside. There was another one like that, but you, you entered You did it by toggling switches on the front. Yeah, the MSI eighty eighty. That's right. Yeah, and, is, and yeah. The, yeah, and it had the switch toggles and that. And isn't the PDP eleven a little bit like that? Yep, it, it, yep. it has switch toggles in the front. Uh, it was a Unix based machine. It was a little further along, but yeah, if you look at this panel, you would say, well, that's just an, a, a modern, a, a more modern MSI. It's it looks same kind of thing, different color. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I must admit, I've never, I've, I've always presumed the people who bought those first computers i mean the, the first one was the mitz altair wasn't it that was the one that kind of really yeah, altair, uh, thank you yeah that really kicked off um kind of computing in silicon valley that was the one that steve wasniak saw and um uh, that microsoft wrote the basic for and all that stuff. and then whenever i see these i think well how can you do basic on there because all it has is toggle switches but i presume you had to connect something else to it to actually use it as a computer yes i had one so believe yeah. it or not you used sometimes you used audio tape recorders right. so it, it you get a modem on it and you just record the sound the modem makes i'm simplifying it but and then you play that back and it loads in so and then there was paper tape readers that some people had that, that was the equivalent of toggling switches so you could save what you toggled in on paper tape, or you could get someone to give you a tape that was already recorded that to load those programs up. And um, they had, I, I don't remember when the floppies came on. I had an early MSI, and we used, uh, well, it was belonged to a couple of us. We shared it, believe it or not. And we bought these Shugart 8-inch floppy disks. They were mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. It was, the thing was immense, uh, and it didn't hold very much on the floppy disk, but you could save things on. It took forever to read and write from them. But in those days, it was kind of cool because it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I started yeah. on a first-generation tube computer. Right. I saw they had one in our high school. And that was the same thing. It used an IBM typewriter and a paper tape punch and reader to get things in and off of it. And it was uh, – tic-tac-toe was an advanced program for it. Yeah. Because I'd imagine most of the sort of stuff you do on a computer like that is the sort of thing you that nowadays you just do on a pocket calculator. Yeah, <laughs> you know? your watch probably your watch yeah, has more power. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, you watch war games, right? They, the, yeah, the I've seen war games. Yeah. And they, he, what he was showing there, we built a thing called a demon dialer, and that's yeah. what it would do. It pick up your modem, it would dial a phone number and listen for a modem tone. If it didn't get one, it would hang up and go to the next number, and you'd let that run on run all day long and you'd come back and you'd find 25 30 modems that answered of course now yeah. you want to know what they are so you start hacking yeah. on them that that really happened <laughs> cool yeah <laughs> so interestingly enough you're talking about arduino there um just a couple of days ago i was putting together a um uh, a new system i bought which is a called a pi top and this is effectively as a laptop for a raspberry pi 
Wow. So I, you, I don't know about that. Yeah. Cool. So so basically, you get this kit with the Raspberry Pi, and what you do is you open it up, you slide the keyboard down, and underneath where part of where the keyboard goes, there's kind of like um, there's like a set of magnetic rails, and then towards the end, there's there's a, a, a couple of bus boards, and what you do is you screw your Raspberry Pi in there, um. And uh, you connect it to the US, there's kind of male USB prongs coming out the back of the thing. So you plug that into the, and it's all designed to match the Raspberry Pi form factor. So sure. you plug the, plug the USB in there um, and then put it down. And then there's a there's kind of a, 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 mother, a little board that goes on the side that plugs into the HDMI and the audio jack of the Raspberry Pi. Um, and that and that's that's used to give it uh, yeah to give your screen output and then there's like a um, there's like a, a a kind of cooling system that clamps down over the top uh, and what that does is it also actually gives it plugs into the uh, pins on the side of the Raspberry Pi the GPIO pins sure. and that that gives you power to the board so you put all that in you <laughs> kind of screw it down you make, make sure you've got your sd card in there slide the keyboard back up and then turn it on and this this kit comes with a you know a 14 inch screen um a uh, oh, a, a battery yeah, right. and a keyboard and and all the outputs you need and then there's a whole load of other stuff you can plug in into this rail system um uh, but basically when you turn it on then basically what it's done is is made your raspberry pi into a laptop um and you you know it's it's actually really really cool because it takes the raspberry pi is great but the problem is you need a lot of kind of stuff to yeah. make any use of it you need to have a good you need to have a keyboard and mouse you need to have power supply you need to have a connection to a monitor and the problem with the monitor is most monitors are connected to other things um and with many of us having laptops now I don't have any freestanding monitors in my house. So actually doing anything on Raspberry Pi is kind of a bit of a pain in the neck because you have to get it out, find a monitor, plug it all together, sit down and do it. <laughs> and then when you're finished, you, you need to put it all away again and all that. This is great because now yeah. I can just sit with the Raspberry Pi on my lap and just do whatever I want with it. Um, and it's it's all self-contained. And yes, they, they it comes with um some it's it's an educational thing so it comes with some cardboard sheets that you can use as a template to make um things that you can then put raspberry pi accessories into oh. and and then it has breakout boards and a speaker and stuff like that you can plug in under the laptop keyboard next to raspberry pi so you can start doing prototyping or uh, interfacing using some of the the hats and the things like that that you can get for raspberry pi so it, it turns it to a little bit of a maker kit really but all in, in the cool. laptop form factor and it yeah it's it's really kind of cool um, it, this it's yours is this bright green thing i'm looking at the, it is the yeah pie, the first, the when, <laughs> yeah when i when i when i got it out on the kitchen table alexander kind of glanced over for, i think he was playing on his nintendo switch he glanced <laughs> over and he went oh my god that is the most disgusting color laptop i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a straight. Well, I was looking at the. They have a Pi Four now, Pi Top Four now. Yeah. And uh, th they've decided that everybody wants aqua colored things on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those are kind of strange colors. They're having yeah. too much fun with colors. So, but uh, this yeah, game they, is very cool. It's like two hundred forty nine dollars. It's not yeah. bad. 
it's hard it's harder to get a hold of now than it used to be because i don't think they sold it was originally a kickstarter project this i don't think okay. they sold as many as they were hoping for they actually have like a desktop version one that that kind of looks like a raspberry pi imac um where you don't have the the battery the laptop keyboard or anything like that it's basically okay. it's just the the you know a surround in a big screen you plug you bring your own keyboard and monitor to it um but the, the one they're selling now is almost like a standalone desktop unit that just basically beefs up the raspberry pi and that's based on the four so the raspberry pi oh, 4 is, okay. is is apparently i've not tried one yet but it's apparently much more powerful and much more usable as a as kind of as a as a full desktop computer replacement um but uh but yeah you can that's find them around I, I i got this got this it was not it was a uh, like an open box on ebay so i i paid much less than the going rate for it which uh i was kind of pleased it, it was interesting i'd ordered a, one a little bit like this on kickstarter that actually didn't build the raspberry pi in the idea was that it was like um a laptop dock style thing that ah, you would just okay. plug it in on the side uh, and then use it like at the side uh, and it never I'd, I'd been told it was sent and then it never arrived it was supposed uh. to have arrived at christmas and uh, it never came so anyway uh, a few weeks ago i i wrote to them i said look i've never received this and they went oh yeah um there was a problem with our distributor in the UK and apparently some of them were sent to the UK but then never got shipped and now they don't know what happened to them. So they said, we can send you another one. And I said, no, just give, just give me my money back. Give me your money back, I, yeah. I thought, well, if you know that's a problem, reach out to your customers in the yeah, UK exactly. and make sure that what you sent to them arrived. <laughs> it, it, so, does, it does surprise me. I mean, I have a, another, I have a cut another board called the Mojo and it's actually been outdated now that is like a sort of like a Raspberry Pi with a uh, FPGA on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it came with a. I love the name Pi Top because it sits on top, and it came with yeah. a uh, embedded micro LED display board that right. just kind of clunks on top. And it, I was playing with that, and here's a here's a lesson for people who do Raspberry Pi and those things programming: don't plug more than one in at the same time on your computer. Because I was trying to, I was trying to download a program to one, and I was downloading it. wasn't working. Downloading it, and I realized I was pushing it to the FPGA board instead. And right. I've completely, I've completely uh, disabled the small PC that talks over the USB, the USB, this yeah. processor. So it's now dead. I have to figure out how to put a JTAG on it and re reflash it because it's dead. Yeah. I couldn't understand why my program wasn't running. Now I know why. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it just I feel so stupid. It's like, why did I am your board? Your board literally went, does not compute, and then died. <laughs> well, but, so it, when you do the thing that flashes, it just says, pick a port, and it defaults to a port. And I figured, oh, yeah. it's talking to my Raspberry Pi. Sure, go. Mm. No, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's kind of fun. And I, the other thing I'm doing is like we talked about before on – Last week, catching up on a lot of TV that I just haven't had a chance to watch. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it seems like you know when I when I'm working, I have a I have a long commute. I drive an hour and a half in bad traffic each way, every day. Um, I could take a bus, an Apple bus, but that takes almost two hours. But the advantage is I can work on the bus because they have Wi-Fi on there. Yeah. Uh, so when I get home, we have dinner. It's already like eight thirty, quarter to nine by the time we're done, cleaned up, and I just don't even want to sit down and watch television. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand that. Screens. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, a lot of bad TV now. Catching mm-hmm. up on. Uh, and I finished Picard last night. That was oh, I thought right. the, 
the ending was fantastic. I've not, um, I'm, they, I'm, I'm only about halfway through, so don't spoil. I uh, know I'm not saying spoilers. They, they did advertise though that uh, that next season is coming, so they've got renewed. I think I think as soon as they produced the first couple of episodes, it got kind of auto renewed right there and then because yeah. uh, you know they knew it was going to be it was going to be a big hit. So um, it was slow to start though. It, well, I found. Yeah, a lot of these shows are because they know that that some people are going to binge over over eight episodes, you know, because an awful lot of people who um, don't watch it week by week, but wait until it's right. all done and then sit down and watch it. Um, and so I think they they're in the habit of taking their time and spending a lot of time establishing the scenario and the uh, characters and where they are and that sort of thing. Now, the problem with that is, is that you can do that well or you can do it badly um and i know i know from watching some of the uh like marvel shows on netflix that some of those they just seem to drag because (laughs) you know i can't i don't like the situation where something dramatic happens and you think right they've got to respond to that straight away and then the next episode they just don't It's just yeah, like, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, oh, yeah. We, we, we must get to that. You know, it's on our to-do list. <laughs> but today we're going to do quite a lot of sitting around and talking about it before we get on with it. And um, are you talking guess, about the ones that we get on broadcast TV here, like like The Flash and Supergirl? And those are most of sort of DC, though, aren't they? Yeah. Some sometimes those are like that. But uh, some of the Netflix shows have suffered from that as well, where they, um, you know, they they just decide to focus on away from the main storyline and it's sometimes it's almost like it's a filler episode so they <laughs> yes. you know they just kind of you know progress on the main story and we're just going to drop that for a, a, an episode <laughs> or two while we talk about something else or investigate something else and um yes well it, yeah, you know I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no screenwriter but sometimes it's done better than others and you kind of know <laughs> when it's going on and and i think it's a particular problem of these streaming shows because they have an order of 10 12 whatever it is episodes to fill um and i think sometimes what they do is they sit down and kind of plot their plot out over those episodes and realize they have some gaps they've got to fill it with something else so um isn't that usually the show that where they have the guy they're gonna ask well you did this and they show clips from the old show and then and then this happened (laughs) and they do i I just saw that i think supergirl did that this week where they had had this flashback the classic flashback show um that they used to do that yeah when they'd actually literally run out of plot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or they just you didn't know, have time to build one build they, 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 yeah or, or sometimes i believe particularly on some of the science fiction shows i remember um uh, back in the day the you remember the buck rogers in the 25th century show do you remember yes. that one yeah with yeah that's the one yeah there was one of those where they actually they did a i'm sure they did at least two uh kind of flashback type episodes and then right. famously at the end of the first season of star trek the next generation they did one as well you always have to have some kind of some sort of framing device where they either have to sit around going remember when and then the kind right. of the screen dissolves into it or alternatively in a science fiction show that what they often do is normally knock somebody out and make them replay their memories or something like that and i right. think i think both the buck rogers and the star trek one did that and the star trek one i remember they did it because basically they didn't have the budget to do a full season that's right and so uh, they decided that they would do one of these shows to save some money uh, because 
producing the the like the framing things at the end was like doing a, a third of a show uh, on standing sets and they could film it over about two days rather than five or six days of a regular episode and then the rest of it is just video editing um, yeah, a company but, i worked for with berkeley systems i don't know if people are young people won't remember them but they did all the flying toaster screensavers exactly there. yes and After Dark. we did yeah. a star trek screensaver and i got i was part of that product project helping on that so we got to go to paramount uh to see next generations and uh-huh. I, I met major barrett all right Roddenberry. and yeah, she, she lovely woman uh she was the did, did she uh did she <laughs> did she kind of go you know in the, did she do that kind of the, the flat computer voice for you oh yeah because she, she was the voice asking of, her to do that she was voice of the uh the enterprise computer wasn't she yeah she was yeah. and on almost all the shows she you know yeah. the older shows she was the computer and and she promised me and i never got it done that she would do my voice answering machine tape all right in the in the computer but but she was yeah. i was we were talking about this exact same thing and she said yeah they end up behind schedule so yeah. what they do is when they're ahead of schedule, they'll build what they call a filler episode, which, like you said, it takes a day, day and a half to shoot. And they and it's all up to the editor to cut it back together properly. And yeah. she says that's just to let them give them a rest, to let them catch up, catch their breath. Or when they get behind, they have an extra week now to put out another, you know, to build another episode. Because they used to build them, you know, not far ahead of when they were showing them, if I understood that correctly. Uh, I, you know what? I mean... I love those sorts of shows, particularly. I know that um, last week Tim was kind of poo-pooing the uh, those DC shows you watch. I love them too, <laughs> Arrow and the Flash, all the Arrowverse shows. You know, Arrow, the Flash, um, uh, Legends of D- Tomorrow, all of those. Legends of Tomorrow is my favorite yeah, of those. They yeah. are. They are not great television but they are no. entertainment nevertheless yes. <laughs> um but but you know what working on those shows must be brutal because it you literally are doing a new episode every week yeah. you're filming it over six or seven days non-stop for for months and it, it what? you know for 24 episodes is that yeah. really what they do, though? I wonder. That, that's they, that's like, what they do. They they, okay. they they produce. I mean, nowadays with <clears throat> mid-season hiatus and stuff like that, it's not necessarily as bad. But certainly back in the Star Trek days, that that's exactly what it was. They were turning out a new episode every week. So you, wow. the creative team on there, would be looking at the episode that was currently shooting. They would be post-production on previous episodes, and then they would also be writing and doing prep for upcoming episodes, all at the same time. So crazy. Yeah, I I often wondered, did they do it ahead of time? Like they put eight episodes in the can and then they start doing the ones that go after that. Um, Well, I'm I'm sure it's different nowadays because, you know, for a start, um, production of these shows is probably uh, easier than it used to be because a lot of the modern tools we have, um, you know, you can do an awful lot in in the camera and using CGI now that in the past you used to have... um, you used to have to do in in with practical stuff. I mean, did you see that video that came out um, uh, probably about months, six weeks ago, about how they shot a lot of the Mandalorian out, outdoor scenes on this no, big I LED soundstage? It's is, incredible. It's absolutely on, is incredible. It on the, it's on the the Disney it, Plus. It's yeah. It's, it's if it's not on there, you'll probably find it on YouTube. Um, okay. But basically, the majority of the outdoor sets they did they do on this thing. It's like a big cube uh or no it's bigger than a cube it's like a big sound stage but the entire thing is covered in led wall right so not only can they project 
um, scenery behind the actors as they're they're doing stuff to without having to do camera compositing, which is the way that's normally done. Right. It looks more realistic because you're actually seeing a scenery there, and it's a high enough definition you can't tell it's a scene. But the other thing is the whole set actually lights the scene. Right. In in the way that it would be if you were sat in the desert. So the My lighting boss is was mu- talking about that. Yeah. And, and the that, lighting is that, much more natural. Yeah, they don't the, the lighting they can put the coloring and the lighting wherever they want yeah. it. I was thinking so, of an early version of yeah. that when Tom Cruise did the what was the I can never remember the name of that movie where he was up living up in the clouds and he was supposed to oh, go down. Yeah, and, Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah. And that that set was built with rear projections. So when yeah. they were in that set in the clouds, they were really projecting the outside yeah. to get the light feel of what it would be like if you're hanging up in the clouds. Exactly. The, but the advantage, this is all driven by a computer. They can change the sets on a dime. Yeah, which with with older production things, you had to move your entire production to a different set to actually film up. Sure. That was half a day's work, probably. Um, they could just change it in the camera. So they can swiftly move from one set to another by just changing the background, changing the lighting. And they also the other thing they were doing is they were actually experimenting with um, special effects in the scenery. So as ships and things were being rendered and were moving and stuff like that, they would they could try them out in the space and they could actually reblock the shot depending on what the special effects were going to do, which is something that, that normally is post-production. You kind of have to stick with the shots you've got. Um, so, now don't get me wrong, The Mandalorian is a tremendously expensive show to produce and I'm sure it one of the reasons be. is that technology probably costs a fortune. But what it, i mean the output it produced i mean looking at it you could not tell that those were not real sets that they weren't going to jungle planets or jungle right. scenery desert scenery all of that sort of thing the the what it's able to produce is kind of movie quality stuff um and yet they're able to produce very very quickly i think that's tremendously exciting for modern production and probably allows them to you know when that stuff starts being commoditized and everyone's using it it probably allow them yeah. to churn these shows out much more quickly well, the other thing, my boss was talking to me about this. Um, he wears a chrome silver kind of helmet. And if you do green screen kind of stuff, then you have to render all the reflections and everything yeah. else. And, and I think he said this lets them get the lighting on the helmet so they don't have to ha- do the rendering on him. They get yeah. the light from the LED walls, which is it's a brilliant idea. I just yeah. I, I haven't re- he talked about it. And that's where I heard about it. It's. I have to go watch this. I'm looking on YouTube now to see if I can find it. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> is if it that's the making why... of or something. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll find it and send and send you a link. And okay. I'll put a link in the show notes as put well. Show notes. Yeah. Um, I wonder if um, that's why Boba Fett in the original trilogy movies um, <clears throat> he had like painted beat up armor. Was maybe that for, the, for that yep. reason? <laughs> well, think about that. If you're standing in front of a green screen and a ship takes off behind you, you need to light the scene with the color of the somehow do that and that was a tough problem then so if then if you had someone who was really reflective you have so i'll give you an example i did a they did a another documentary on natari and they sat me on a box i'm sorry it was like like it's just a wood box and then they put these colored lights coming in from different angles and they were changing while we were talking Mm-hmm. And I said, so when, when we took a break, I said, what, what is going on? And he says, well, you'll, when you see the actual show, you'll understand. And in the show, I was green screen 
behind me and there was like video games playing and objects moving on the screen and that's when these lights would change color so my right. color would reflect a different color depending on what was behind me it was okay. a brilliant way to do that i thought it was very kind of cool now this does it yeah. in a huge scale it's, it, it was pretty amazing it's like well I, not, not only that the, yeah the difference is is that is that with this system you can the director on the shoot can decide what he's going to show rather yeah. than um having to shoot and then fill something in later because then you know that limits your creativity if uh if you if you you're having a chat with somebody and you go off on a tangent about a different video <laughs> game that maybe you weren't associated with but they want to put the graphics in the background right um just do now it. now they could just do it um or maybe take a break and then just do it whereas um if they're stuck with the the light from um you know major havoc then they're stuck with the light from major havoc you can't be they can't be showing something else while you're uh while you're talking so this is this replace green screen is that or blue screen yeah i think i think yeah. the idea with this is that you with this as much as possible you don't want to composite after the shot you actually want to do it live on set sure that's very so, cool uh well, yeah when you think about the post-production time it takes to do that you're right these these um shows want to look like they're on bigger sets i yeah. used to always say that's what i used to like about star trek is it wasn't just the ship they used to go out to real locations and shoot things but that's yeah. expensive it is and, and not only that you always uh even with the next generation you always got this discontinuity because you could always tell when they were on um the planet hell set which was the yeah. <laughs> you know the generic planet that they set up for uh, uh for alien planets because obviously the you could, angled rocks <laughs> yeah exactly but you could you know that's this way where the that's those are the ones where the, the guys in the red shirts would normally die within the first five minutes of beaming down yeah but um you always knew when you were there because it was obviously filmed inside and yet when they did an, an outdoor shoot it looked completely different so when kirk yep. is fighting the gorn on um oh right yeah you knew that that was out in real life in the desert because you could tell because the whole uh, look of the show looked completely different than it did when they were inside on planet hell um, that area just showed up on a snether show that's the one i'm talking about the angle rocks they look yeah the, the, the yeah, rocks um, look like they shoot out an I've, angle and i've I, seen yeah. it in a couple other shows was it it's in a, uh yeah that that scene that, bad maybe yeah that's right that place is not far from uh, Los Angeles, and once you recognise those that particular outcrop of rocks, right. yeah, and you start looking for it, you'll see it. It's in everything. Absolutely. In fact, uh, you just watch Picard, where yes. when he when he went to to uh, what's what's the name of the of the girl who who he had the falling out with, and oh, then he recruited her. Yeah, with the curly hair. Yes. I yeah. Did, right at the beginning did, of the show, second right. or third show, it was it was the it was his former kind of protege who he had right. he kind of had a big falling out when he left Starfleet. Her trailer was in front of those rocks, and I'm yes. sure they I'm sure they did it as a deliberate homage to the original Star Trek because they <laughs> I knew wondered that all the geeks would immediately recognise where it was. But it's yeah, it's um, it's quite a famous. It's quite a famous set, and once you want, yeah, there's a particularly distinctive outcrop. Once you once you're looking for it, you'll see it everywhere, and it kind of takes you out of the show a little bit. What's kind of weird is I got to when I was at Paramount that time. We we were there for the the present presentation of the final episode of Next Generation, but they took us on the set of like Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I, have a, I have a photo of me somewhere. If I can find it, I'll give it to you to put in the show notes. Sitting at a control panel in the bridge on the control center of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. 
I have to tell you, when you see a set like that, it, it completely breaks your vision of what the show is about, right? You know, because you can build what you think this thing looks like. Like this, the curly stairs at the, the stairs that went up to the upper deck were made yeah. out of wood. Yeah. As were the rails, right? And then they <laughs> add the sound of clunk, clunk, clunk when That's they were right, walking. Yeah. But the set that cracked me up is they have a set they call the cave. Mm-hmm. And all those... All those scenes where they were underground in something were re- resets of the cave uh, soundstage. So they, mm-hmm. they, you know, I can remember the one where Picard and um, the, the Doctor have to sneak into this this secret space, and they're climbing across. The, that's all done in this one cave set that they just push the rocks around. Uh, that was disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> it just. <laughs> Wait, you're not 100 feet off the ground? Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know. Yeah, well, the sometimes magic you, is they're still there. Yeah, yeah that, sometimes that's the thing. You don't want to look too far behind the camera. Um, yeah, but, I, uh, I, you know. I worked for Disney for a short time as a contractor and got to see underneath uh, Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And and the thing they call the basketball court, which is not a basketball court, it's a hoop on a wall. But uh, up on the top, we got we got toured of all the behind the scenes. It's actually pretty amazing. Uh, they designed that park to not ever see anything get delivered. Right. Yeah. You never see a delivery guy yeah. walk, walk with a hand truck down the main street to get some stuff to the Coca Cola Pavilion. No, it all comes up from behind. Uh, well, yeah, it's so it's... cool that the. In uh, Epcot, they suck the trash out underneath the trash cans. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I guess you you know you don't also don't want to see Mickey Mouse with his head off run behind the back of the building have a cigarette. Well, there's a rule. If so, yeah. I was I had a different badge. I was a contractor. If a non-Disney employee is 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 present, you must the characters must be in character. So if when they were touring us down underneath the gave us a tour of the underneath this big U-shaped underground, yeah. any characters that were down there had to keep had to keep their heads on and be in character because we were oh, non employees. I bet they loved it when you came around then. Oh, well, they, they don't like anybody <laughs> down there. I'm sure exactly. They, yeah, you know, once they got into their back rooms, I'm sure they can take that off. Also, a lot of the characters wore um, headsets because um, you notice they don't talk. Yeah. Right. There's they they also watch they also double as a security person. So if they see something, they can speak it into this Vox microphone they've got and it goes to the security team so they can send someone out. So if one of those characters sees something wrong, they can alert security as well as the security people walk around. I you thought, well that was kind of Next the time I go talk. to Disney, I'm going to go up to Goofy. <laughs> I'm going to go, hey Goofy, snitches get snitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's so they said it's only the ones that don't speak. So yeah. Goofy doesn't speak. I, I, yeah. Mickey does, I think, but Goofy doesn't. But um, of course, what what kind of brings that idea down is the fact that I'm sure they can't really see very well inside those right. those things. Because I, I never got they're to normally see if looking. Then yeah, they're normally looking through the mouth, aren't they? Because they normally have yes. a, like a black. Um, black nylon over the mouth and then exactly. that's when they normally are because that's where your eyes are if you're not uh, eight feet tall like mickey mouse is in the suit um i don't know if this is true this was just told to me by one of the guys when we were touring that they that they they have they can they have radios and they can they can call security if they need to uh but i can you imagine it gets hot in southern california and being in a goofy costume yeah, for Flor- like, yeah, it, and Florida, Florida as well, which is the same, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. and you got the humidity there as well. <laughs> some, of, I'm, I do believe some of those suits actually have air conditioners in them. 
You, you, know, they, you think they have to have fans of some sort, right? Yeah, they've got some sort of cooling in there because, um, yes, you, it would. You would. But this is this is why you know Mickey comes out and he's and he signs a few autographs and he poses for pictures and then after about fifteen <laughs> minutes he goes away again and that's basically stop the presumably stop the cast member inside from expiring from the heat. Uh, it's got to be horrible. I mean, that's, I just can't. I'm, I'm hot just in a t-shirt, you know, in shorts. If I'm walking in Disneyland, it's uh, these but poor we, guys. Yeah, we we were at Universal um, in February. Uh, we went to see all the Harry Potter stuff. Um, but what you have to walk through the parks to get to the Harry Potter stuff. It's not near the entrance. Uh, okay. um, um, my daughter had pictures taken with um, with uh, some of the Simpsons. Yeah, and those were big costumes, and so they had. I mean, it wasn't particularly hot that time of year, but they would have exactly that problem, even the even the smaller ones. Um, and then in the evening, we we saw some of the uh, Marvel characters over in the other park. Okay. Obviously, they they're wearing more conventional costumes, but still quite a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it um, it it must be. It must be a rite of passage for actors or people who want to. Yeah, you know, I would imagine most of them are actors to to go and work in one of those parks doing doing one of those. Um, you know, I, I mean, the the girls who play the the princesses. You know, you just have to basically they've got they've normally got the costume, but also a, a big wig on, and then you have to sit there smiling sweetly at everybody for the exactly. whole time. That's what I was going to say. That's yeah. the hard part. <laughs> you got you got ten hundred kids running up to you all day long grabbing at you and you have to like, not want to go get that yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I don't know if i could do that I, I how did you like the harry potter stuff i haven't seen it yet we if you if you're into harry potter um i like the ama- movies yes. yeah it's amazing because they really have the reproduction of what you've seen on screen absolutely down um, you know, so you go to Diagon Alley, you even go through, um, kind of, it looks like you're walking through the wall to get into Diagon Alley. Uh, cool. and then once you're in there, everything is, is what you've seen on the screen. You know, they've got the Gringotts Bank, they've got the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron is a, is an eating venue. So you can, you go in there and you have your, your lunch, your overpriced universal lunch, but, um, it's all kind of English themed and then you get butterbeer and, pumpkin juice Very and fun. all of that okay. sort of stuff as well so it really puts you in the experience they have this system as well where um you buy a, a kind of a a wand when you get there which um interacts with the scenery so they have these areas <laughs> where you can, nice. they have these areas where you can do you know it's kind of marks that you can do a magic trick and basically what you have to do is eat for each one you have to move the wand in a certain way i think the ones to basically just have an infrared tip uh, okay. And then they have cameras scanning, scanning for the the shape of the movements. Okay. And then if you if you get it right, then something you know something in a window will light up, or a projection will happen, or something. So it looks like you've done a magic trick. Yeah, um, in the advertisement they show a, a girl yeah. spinning it and pointing it at the school, and the school lights come on. And thought, exactly. Yeah. The okay, only problem with that is that there are hundreds of kids wanting <laughs> to do that. So each of those things has a cue, uh, oh. and it also becomes. It becomes a little bit of a of a kind of a game. Is can you find the off the beaten path ones where you're not going to have to queue up for ten minutes to do your magic trick? And the other problem, of course, is what takes you out of it is if you've seen fifteen kids in front of you do the same 
trick then doing right. it yourself is to me doesn't sound like it's much fun you know um, yeah i, I agree yeah. that you i would want to hide them around the park and have them switch on and off so they're yeah. not always the same exactly so they, but they, they, they have yeah. to run. The, the one i want to see and the, if you can find this on youtube now they is the rise of the resistance that ride we were laughing my boss is a big disney fan as well and we were sitting in the office before we had a work from home and he's looking on Disneyland he goes oh my god park attendance is like down to almost nothing maybe I should get on a plane and go down there and then the next day they closed the park because too many people showed up yeah <laughs> but that's the whole ride is up on is up on the on YouTube yeah and um... uh, it's an amazing piece of work because they the one that gets me on that when you if you watch through it there's a the line is actually part of the ride so yeah. you walk through this star destroyer or whatever the particular ship happens to be yeah and they have the 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 hangar there and the whole hangar wall is open and looks like space yeah. and they've got a it must be a huge laser projector lighting up that whole wall this is the one I want to see. This this is like, this yeah. one I will stand in line for. This one looks pretty amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out on YouTube now because there are um, yeah you can find all these attractions online. Um, so the the one that was most like that for us was the uh, one inside uh, Hogwarts Castle where you basically you're know, you're lining up. Um, and um, you you the ride you go on a lot of the rides in. Um, Universal Studios are these ones where you're you're sat in a cab and it kind of moves, but not motion it's not simulators. like yeah, sure. it's a little bit like that, but it, it's it's more than just a motion simulator. It's basically it's on the track and it's moving. Oh, oh, it moves. It's moving in time with projection stuff on the on a big ah. screen, so it kind of tries to put you in the middle of the action. Um, some of them are better than others, to be honest, but um, that's what the Hogwarts ride does. So the idea with the Hogwarts ride is that um, the castle's been locked down. And they want to get out to the, uh, the you know, Harry Potter's friends want to get out to the Quidditch match. So okay. as you're lining up, you're, you're basically you're lining up inside Hogwarts Castle. So you see the uh, they have the paintings that talk to you um, cool. and, and all of that, you know, and, and they're talking to themselves as well. And then you actually queue past um, um, Dumbledore's office and it is the office from the movie. Yeah. Nice. In fact, I, and, and, and he's there on the, they have a projection system. So it looks like he's there up on the balcony talking to oh. everybody. Um, and then they have a, another one where it's, it's kind of the, uh, the mess hall, you know, the, uh, what's the, the, the uh, eating room. hall dining room. Yeah, the dining and then room, you yeah. see Harry Potter and his friends kind of up on the balcony talking to each other and all of that. So all of that's that is really good. Cool. And, and, and that's when you've got, when some of these, rise when you're queuing for like an hour or an hour and a half you've got to have that sort of stuff in there to keep people entertained and kind of put them in it you know like star so, tours did i always loved yeah, the, exactly. the, yeah. the line in star tours now you're talking about a ride like star tours right sorry you're talking about a ride like star no, tours no they're not you're like a, star tours at all they're they're not like star tours. it uses that technology but basically you're in a cab of probably about six or eight people and it does okay. move on a track but then what happens is every scene it kind of it stops Oh, and then, it, and, then it turn, and, it, and you're looking at something in front of you, which is normally a, a practical set with some rear projection type stuff. Sure. You know, and they, they're using the modern stuff like it. that, that hologram style things that um, that we've seen over the past few years. It looks like that. So the characters look like they're in the scene, even though they're actually being projected on a sheet of glass. And then what happens is whatever happens on there. So things might fly at you or, you, you know, the scenery might drop. You drop with it, you see. So your oh, kind cool. of ride vehicle is 
the motion sim the motions it does kind of is in time with what you're seeing on the screen and then yeah, they, you know, cool. they puff air and water at you and heat and that sort of thing <laughs> to try and make you feel like you're in it and as i say uh they, some of them are better than others we did the gringotts bank bank ride which is a similar site type of ride um it's a roller coaster that's not a roller coaster it's it's more like a roller coaster okay. than, than the other one was but it's using the same technology it's not a Very regular cool. roller coaster but the problem with that is that the plot that was going on was all being talked by these cat these characters in re- in um holographic projection on the scenery but the ride was so loud, you couldn't really hear what they were saying oh. very well. So you you can't, after, certainly I couldn't anyway, I don't know what the kids did. So after halfway through the ride, I kind of got tuned out of it really. And, and the problem is if you're not into it, then it becomes you're just being shaken around and you want it to stop, you know. Um, so well, uh, I think about some of the motion rides at Disney, you know, like the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. They were smart. They put the speakers behind your head. Yeah. And then they use phasing to get the sound so you always can hear it. That's a hard problem. Yeah, Disney is. figured that out with their parades. That the and I don't, next time you go to a Disneyland park, yeah. when you watch one of the parades, note that the sound comes from everywhere. Yeah, and the speakers in the buildings and stuff are all synchronized to what's in front of you. Yeah, that's right. Which is just brilliant, a brilliant design. It's just amazing that that you're standing there and you hear the sound of the thing in front of you, and you realize, wait, it's coming from behind me and across the street. And yeah, so, I, yeah, sound so- design is very impressive. On that, just one final recommendation before we finish now. Sure. Um, we just got Disney Plus here this week. Um, okay. So it was just Tuesday that, that, it, that it came out. So we've been kind of binge-watching our way through it because we've not we've not had it f- as long as you guys have. There is a documentary on there that I have queued up. I'm probably going to watch it tonight. And basically it's an, a behind-the-scenes Imagineer documentary. Yeah. So, so, um, so I understand this, they did those on Walt Disney's World of Color Right. Years ago. And what they've done is they've taken a bunch of those clips from the originals and they've added stuff to them. And I've okay. seen I've seen them all in the original form. So it's cool yeah. to see them again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because uh, the kind yeah. of behind the scenes stuff to me is, is you know, the magic of, of making it so artificial is to me is real magic. You know, there's well, no some way. Of it is, yeah, it's quite I, neat. I know, but 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 I think I I think the way they pull it off, I I also I remember going to the original Epcot in nineteen eighty two, and okay. I, I just felt that the environment they created, um, you know, it was so yeah. neat and well. I mean, I know Epcot's been kind of messed around ever since then because they don't kind of really know what to do with it. But but back in the original <laughs> day, the fact that. Um, you know, it was so neat and well laid out and organized and the music was everywhere and the sight lines were great. And, you know, they, everywhere you went, you could see something different and all of that. It was just so impressive. And it's always um, it's always kind of really got me that that every little thing you you can think of and, th- and loads of things you haven't thought of, they have thought of and have kind of engineered it, you know. Well, today they use computers, but before... Like I said, I did this contract work. They yeah. have a model of the area, you know, like yeah. this tiny model. Not tiny, but it sits on a table. And a little periscope-like thing they could put down on the ground. And then they yeah. could see what happens when they place the building, what it does to the sight lines. I mean, they actually thought about that. My favorite hidden thing was um, in Pirates of the Caribbean, you go down a waterfall. And mm-hmm. they didn't. you didn't go down a waterfall because they thought that would be fun. They go down a waterfall because the entrance to the ride is against the edge of the park and they build the ride out 
it, it took part of the parking lot. So the ride oh, building right. is so sort it, of so out. It goes so you got to go down yeah. to get underneath the train and everything to do the ride, and that's why you come back up at the end. The right. same with the Haunted Mansion. How do we get people underneath the the exit, the uh, edge of the park? Uh, yeah. yeah, these guys thought of it. It's. I find today a lot of stuff is too much stuff is done with video. Yeah. That was my. I went to Epcot not too long ago, and I was I was disappointed that everything was was some video trick, because um, I really liked it. Like you said before, that they really thought about fixing the environment. Yeah, uh, physical physical work. So yeah, and physical rides as well. I mean, it, yeah, I've always enjoyed those more than these. Uh, you know, Star Tours when it was first done was new and it was incredible, but um, that technology got overused in the theme parks really oh, too yeah. much. Um, Did you and, ever ride it? In- in, there was one in Las Vegas at the Luxor Hotel. No, uh, I've not done that one, but I think I did. I did a sim. There was, there was about two or three rides like that at SeaWorld, and it was just like, yeah, but this is yeah. this is lame. You Back know. to the Future was at Universal for a while. It, at Luxor, they yeah. did a the Secrets of the Pyramid. It's not there anymore. Uh, Douglas Trumbull, who who does yeah. a lot of, he's a special effects guy. He, he yeah. had that. I mean, it was it was the three part story, and then they got rid of the the. The IMAX screen turned a long ways, which is kind of weird. Uh, they had these, but the, the, that, their ride there was not bad. But it's the same thing. You're in a big dome, and your car is moving around, and they're projecting things on you. Yeah. 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 But it's still fun. It's still fun, and hopefully soon people will be able to go back to the theme parks and enjoy them again and have their wallets rapidly drained of cash. Because I'll tell you what, we went for <laughs> it's a day. It's so expensive. It, we went for a day, and... I could have bought a whole vacation for what we spent in day. But, you know, sometimes you've got to do it for the kids. You wouldn't understand that because you haven't got the kids. But when you've got the kids... I do it for me. I'm the kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I so have the kids. You know, I want to go see this stuff. My brother lives in, my brother lives in Paris. And <laughs> not long after he moved to Paris, he, he, he basically played hooky from work one afternoon and went out to... Uh, Disneyland Paris spent the afternoon there and then and this is how karma works out while he was there one of his sons got his hand uh, trapped in a door at school and kind of, kind of quite badly mashed up his finger his wife wasn't able to get hold of him because he'd uh, you know he, he wasn't accepting calls he didn't want to give away the fact he was at Disneyland <laughs> I snuck out and saw the one in Tokyo when I was in yeah. Tokyo for some work and uh there's nothing like the country bear jamboree singing in Japanese to to give you a good smile. You know what? That's uh, that that um, that certainly puts an image in my mind that I'm not sure I'm particularly comfortable with. But uh, Owen, it was as always, great to talk to you. David, thank you for allowing me to join you today. Oh, no, Sorry, it's always Tim a pleasure to come in. Yeah, it's uh, always a pleasure. Now I just need to remember what we talked about for the show notes, otherwise Tim will be mad. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully speak to you again soon. Thanks, David. You have a good day. And, and right. keep well over there, please. We'll, we'll do our best. Thanks very much. And you. <laughs> and everyone who's listening, too. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.